0: Hi, I'm Marika, and welcome to Money Chillouts. On this podcast, I want to dive into the world of the often unspoken topic of money. Effective personal finance management can be a great liberator, but also a huge stress factor in our lives. After a 10-year career on trading flows in London, I want to help demystify the intimidating world of finance and have an open, honest, and frank conversation by opening the discussion, I wish you identify yourself, learn, be inspired, and get empowered. Every other week, I'll be joined by guests for conversation on money, mindsets, investment habits, and any best practices they abide by. So join me on this journey as we unpick the complexities of finance and get more comfortable talking about our money. And when you're ready to go further in mastering your finances, come and work with me on a one-to-one coaching. You'll grow your awareness, move on with your projects, and have an accountability buddy to track your progress.
1: Today, I'm very pleased to welcome Real Rainey, an investment expert and award-winning author. He's the founder of Blue Tree Savings and aims to help parents build their confidence about money so that they can help teach their kids. He provides articles, ebooks, and tools to help make the topic of money simple for parents and engaging for kids. He's been featured in the Financial Times, iNews, and the National News, and has been elected Best Family Finance Blog at the UK Money Bloggers in 2021. So, hi, Will, how are you?
2: I'm doing very well, thank you.
1: Cool. I'm very happy to have you on this podcast. So, really, thank you for your time. And I'm super happy today for two reasons. The first is because you are the one who approached me on LinkedIn to be part of the show. And yeah, I really appreciate that I've inspired you on other episodes and that money chill has become more and more known. And second, I'm super keen to know more about the kids' education on finance-related matters because it's been a while I had it on my radar and I really want to learn more. So really keen to get your views on it. So can you tell us a bit about you?
2: Sure. Yeah. So my background is I'm actually an actuary. So for those who don't know what an actuary is, it's essentially an accountant who loves statistics. And so I worked for a large consultancy firm in London for nine years, uh, advising some of the world's sort of largest pension schemes or retirement funds. And then in 2014, I moved from London with my family to Hong Kong and did a similar role for a consultancy firm, but covering the whole of Asia. And it was a really good experience. But then it was around 2017, I was talking to someone about my two young daughters. And they just said to me, oh, enjoy this time with them. They only grow up once. And it's a very obvious statement, but it had a really big impact on me. So my wife and I decided following that, that we want to spend more time with our kids. So we put a plan together. And in 2019, we both left our full-time jobs and moved from Hong Kong to Vietnam. So we can spend more time with our kids. The kids were at international school. So I had a bit of time when they are at school to do something and What I really wanted to do is make sure that my children could grow up having the same kind of opportunity that my wife and I have now to have time with our kids, take a bit of time away from the corporate world. And so I started to teach my daughters a little bit about money and thought, Oh, I'm assuming that most other parents don't know where to start and probably want to teach their kids about money. So that's why I started a blue tree savings where I'd write a blog every week, covering a new topic that I've been teaching my children about money and sharing it with many other families. And it's kind of grown from there. So that's kind of my story.
1: Yeah, that's super inspiring. And, and so it's because of your two daughters that you ended up writing your book, Grandpa's Fortune Fables.
2: Yes, exactly. So I wanted to make teaching my kids about money fun. So rather than sitting them down and giving them a lecture, when I was putting them to bed, try and come up with an interesting way to cover many different money topics. So I started to come up with little mini stories, which I used to share in, in my blogs. And then, after I had quite a number of these little stories, someone said, Oh, you should put these into a book. And so I did. So, Grandpa's fortune fables came to life from a series of short stories that I'd written as part of my blogs over the sort of previous sort of 18 months.
1: Interesting. And, And where, Grandpa?
2: Something I heard many years ago that if you start a story by saying, Oh, my grandpa or my grandma told me this story, apparently people listen more. Uh, I assume just people have that kind of view of persona or of grandparents being very wise and, and knowledgeable and having the interesting stories. So I wanted to use that for my book and because I was telling my daughters the story. So it was kind of coming from me. But also I wanted the main protagonist in the book, which is actually the girl, Gail, in the book. So I wanted to have that kind of grandpa, granddaughter kind of relationship going throughout the book. So, yeah, that's the reason I had grandpa.
1: Cool. So in your book, which is available on Amazon, what are the key messages you want both parents and kids to remember?
2: So I think the key message is that everyone has the ability to be good with money. If they just take the time and learn some of the basic ways in which you can look after your money and make money grow, then everyone has that opportunity to be good with money and be financially healthy and wealthy when they grow up. I think there's a lot of, of a mindset that, oh, money's only for people who are really clever or come from rich families or good with numbers. So I really wanted to kind of break that down. And hence, I had a, a character in the book called Boris, who again comes from a, a kind of mindset of, oh, I'll never be good with money. But he kind of learns through Gail and her grandpa, the stories and realizes that if he follows some of the, what I call the free rules of wealth and starts to save some of his money, invest some of his money and, and his patience then he too can kind of become wealthy, just like grandpa became wealthy over time. And that's one of the key messages. I want every child to realize that they have that ability to to become financially healthy and wealthy and and good with money, regardless of where they're starting from.
1: Mm -hmm. And I guess that's why you need to start super early. (laughs) So when you send your book over to me, I was super surprised at first, because there's a lot of pages. There's about 250 for an age range between seven and 13 years old. But of course, you mix illustration, questions and the fable in itself. So why do you think it's so important to teach kids about money and, and why from seven years old?
2: Yes, well, I actually believe that children should learn about money even younger than that. But I wanted a book that covered many different money topics and hence I've got the reading ages 7 to 13 but there's a lot of parents who are reading it with their younger children which is fantastic but a lot of future money selves alike depends on the money habits that we learn and so if children can learn really good money habits and understand money from a young age then they're going to go in grow up and have this positive mindset, they're going to have to start forming some of the really good money habits from a young age, rather than what happens to to most of us as adults, including myself, is that you don't think about money at all when you're younger, really. You start work, and then later in life, you're like, oh, all right, I should start saving some money. But by that time, you've got into some really powerful spending habits, and then you have to try and unwind some of those bad money behaviors. Whereas if we can teach children about money, they can grow up and form these good habits from a young age and hence one of the key ones in the book is saving before you spend and so getting children from the youngest age to every time they get some money just to get them to save a little bit and then that just becomes a habit so when they're adults they are naturally saving a little bit of their money and that can have a huge compounding impact as they get older and older
1: Mm-hmm, 100%. And how do you recommend then to approach the subject of money with kids to both get them interested and involved?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And the key piece is that to talk start just any kind of conversation with children about money is the best way. Children are actually really interested. I've done some sessions with schools and with other families. And as soon as you kind of talk about money. Children ask loads of questions. Most of the ones I do with the schools, we always run out of time, because there's so many questions. But one of the key pieces that I do in the book and talk in my blogs, is to try and make it a bit more interesting. And so I use this analogy, which is getting kids to think of money like seeds. And this is an analogy that's it's not something that I came up with. There's many books that use a similar analogy, but I kind of really <laughs> use it quite a lot because I think it's so powerful. But by doing that, children can understand that if you give seeds away, then that's just like spending. However, they can straight away ask, what does it mean when you plant those seeds? So that's about saving, and then planting them is about investing. And what we want them to do is picture in their minds that this money is kind of growing and we want them to grow this kind of financial forest. And it's those who have this kind of financial forest growing are the ones who are financially healthy and wealthy. And again, children know about looking after trees, they're learning about the environment at school. So they have a a natural affinity to want to look after their trees and, and have that goal for, growing their forests, and it just makes it fun you can use the analogy in so many different ways so I use the analogy for investing for debt for tax and it's just very visual and easy for them to remember.
1: Yeah I like it a lot it's uh, very concrete <laughs> and you said children have really an interest and they ask a lot of questions but who do you think should bring the discussion to the table should it be the kids the parents or a mix of both?
2: Definitely a mix of both. But in today's world, we need the parents to be proactive. Because again, most children, if they want to learn, there's not that many resources out there. And most of the time, they're not going to be get that opportunity to talk about money. And that's why we need parents to really think about talking to their children about money from the youngest age. So or as young as about four years old, even before that, potentially.
1: And when you're between seven and 13, what are the main questions you can ask yourself? And is setting money goals are accessible to them?
2: Uh, yes, no, definitely. I think all children should have little money goals against starting small. So with my daughters, they have a this goal to grow their forest over the long term. But they also have little goals to save up for certain toys that they want to buy with their money.
1: And I guess as well, like the kid, they often ask blunt questions. So I guess with money, it should be like, okay, what's your salary? Or are we rich? Or these kind of things? How do we respond?
2: That's another great question. And (laughs) fortunately, it's a taboo subject. And we know that we shouldn't be talking about salaries because people get very defensive around that because they, they link it to their kind of status. And so we don't really want our children to be going around saying, "Mummy and daddy earns this much money or "Mummy and daddy are rich. So the way to turn it is to say about, well, Mummy and daddy are saving some of our money and our money is growing over time. So we want to sort of stare our kids away from trying to use money as a, a kind of status and try and talk to their friends about that. ask them why why do they want to know about how much money mommy and daddy earn and try and reflect and deflect it back to being what mommy and daddy are saving we save a lot of what we earn so we have opportunities and we can buy the things that we really value so we earn enough to have the holidays we want we have enough to have uh, the house that we live in so it's trying to really make them aware of why those questions are you don't want to answer those questions but then lead them down to topics such as savings and spending money on things that the family values
1: Mm -hmm. and I like that way because it brings back to what matters and and again teach them yeah what you really need in life and how can you help them understand the value of money and how much things cost
2: so the answer to that is about practice Uh, children need to have the opportunity to spend some money so even going to the shops and saying to them, "Well, oh, how much do you think that, uh, the, that donut costs? And then they can start to reflect. So if they do get any pocket money, for example, and you can say, well, how many, how much of your pocket money do you think that um, particular toy costs or how many weeks do you think you'll need to save? And then they can start to put it into a kind of a reference point, but then there's a really good exercise that I heard someone do. And it was just before Christmas. And they felt that their children weren't, had a good concept of the value of money. So it was in the UK and they said they gave both their children five pounds and said, right, go around the supermarket and get as much food as you can for five pounds. And then we'll give that food to the food bank to help people during the, the holidays. And so the children got to really great understanding of value of money because they went around the shop and they didn't want to buy just one big cake for five pounds. They went around and they thought, all right, how much can I maximize how much I get for this five pounds? So I can really give as much food as possible to the food bank. And I thought that was a fantastic idea and something that I've done with my daughters, so I'd recommend doing that for all families.
1: Yeah, I love it. I've never heard, never heard about it and I love the concept. And as well, I guess, pocket money really makes them understand one big concept, which is the opportunity cost, which means that if, for example, they spend on sweet, they won't be able to buy something else. So it's about making choices and not having the option to always have everything that they they want, I guess.
2: Yes, pocket money is, in my mind, the most underrated Financial education tool there is, um, as you say, it allows them to to make decisions. It allows them to practice forming good habits. As I mentioned earlier, it's about the habits that we form. And if children only get money on special occasions, then it's quite hard to form a habit. And they get so excited about having some money that they want to go and spend it. Whereas if they get a bit of money every week, they can then start making decisions regularly whether how much they want to save, what they want to save up for. But also they get to make lots of mistakes and they realize, oh, I shouldn't have spent all my pocket money on that one bar of chocolate or whatever it may be. And so that next week they make better decisions.
1: And at what age do you recommend giving some money then?
2: So even as young as four years old, even if it's just the smallest amount, but even at that age, giving them some money and saying, "Right, how much do you, of that pocket money do you want to save? And again, it's getting them into that mindset of saving some of their pocket money from that youngest stage. So mm-hmm. that's just what they do. That's just every time they get some money, they save a little bit. And then they go they've still got plenty left it's not saying they have to save it all they can still go to the shops and buy even if it's just a couple of sweets. they know they've made that decision it's their decision they get to choose that freedom is very very powerful they might not understand all about long-term savings etc but i think my youngest was about four years old when we gave her pocket money so we call the when we save, we say i'll put it towards their blue trees and so even at that age she was like oh how many blue trees do i have and how many blue trees does my sister have and
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> even from that young age she's thinking about the seeds and the trees rather than a deep understanding of the, the money stuff but as she gets older she's been learning and, and putting the two together
1: that's super interesting love that and and do you encourage that they earn their own money through let's say Haskell's?
2: so personally we don't but I think whatever works for the family is best. So our kind of view is that our children have to do kind of household chores, regardless that we don't pay them to do those chores, but every now and then we'll give them the opportunity to earn more money. So whether that's, so we have like mopeds. Uh, So we say, if you clean our moped, that would be an extra uh, bit of money. Or if they help do the gardening. So my daughter every now and then does a little webinar with me with some school. So if I give her a little bit of money for that. So it's like these extra chores and we do offer to give them some money for those. Personally, we don't do it for just tidying their bedrooms because we, we kind of want them to do that regardless.
1: <laughs> That's a good education, probably. <laughs>
2: some families have different motivators for different families. Like The key piece is that children are getting pocket money and understanding responsibility and at some point uh, get that opportunity to earn money because once they start earning money, then they can start again going back to your question earlier about the value of money and they can start saying well is that toy worth me doing these jobs <laughs> because they can link the money to the time it takes or the effort it takes to to get that particular toy and i think that's a great lesson mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah and how piggy banks still trendy or useful to have because at the moment everything is online or so is it still good for kids
2: uh, totally believe it is a good thing for kids and we're moving to this cashless world where we're not going to be able to have physical piggy banks Uh, so whilst we still do have some cash i recommend parents still use them because it allows children to understand about money and see money and it seems a bit more real but now we're essentially moving to online piggy banks and they they still have some powerful tools and great lessons for kids to to learn. So I I do believe that that the digital piggy bank is going to be the future. But what I I always stress in that topic is that just by giving your child one of these digital piggy banks, doesn't mean that your child is definitely going to be good with money. Um, And the, the analogy that I use is if you give your child a calculator, they're not suddenly going to be good at maths but if you give your child a good education about mathematics and then give them a calculator then the the world is their oyster and it's the same with with money if you teach your children about money and then give them a digital piggy bank then clearly they've got lots of opportunities i just don't want parents to be a slightly potentially naive about, oh, I've, I've downloaded this app, which allows children to save. And therefore, my children will be fantastic with money. They still need the education. They still need to be following the free rules of wealth, which is the key theme of, of my book.
1: Yeah. And, and I guess it's uh, probably harder as well if it's online because you don't really see, whereas coins is really, I mean, you have it in your hands, right? So maybe depending on age, it's easier to learn through real uh, money than just like something which is somewhere?
2: A hundred percent. So money is essentially becoming invisible as we move to the cashless world. So it's more important than ever that parents teach their kids about money, especially as children are playing online games where they have this virtual money. And it can be quite hard to tell the difference between virtual money and real money when it's all online and it's just a number on a screen. And so that level of education needs to increase. And hence, we need parents to be more proactive about teaching their kids about money than probably ever, than ever before.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you have anything that we've missed or that you want to add in terms of concept?
2: Um, so I suppose the only one is that what I talk about in the book is, but helping children understand that money can grow. And I think once children know that if they, as they plant those seeds and see them grow, Then they want to see them grow more and more. And it's something that they won't see or hear about through social media or through their friends generally. So with my daughters, we invest some of their money every month and they even know about what investing is. So we invest in thousands of companies via a simple Vanguard global equity fund but my daughters know that they own a little bit of mcdonald's and apple and netflix and, and google and so they know that when they put their money that in when we invest their money they know that every time they go to one of those companies so if they go to mcdonald's and see people buying their burgers they know that some of the money that is being spent in mcdonald's a little bit of that that is theirs and the more restaurants that McDonald's opens, the the more money that's being spent at McDonald's, the the wealthier they're going to become. I think it's such a topic that's so, so important about money growing, but yeah, sadly, it's not taught in school. So again, in the book, we have uh, Gail learning from her grandpa, all about the basics of investing and being patient with her money to see it grow. And a lot of my blogs are actually about helping parents and children kind of understand the basics of investing in the stock market as the most sustainable way to grow money over the long term. And it's, again, it's those who have that kind of financial forest growing that I believe are financially healthy and wealthy.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's super impressive to do that, especially that young. I'm um, super impressed that they understand what they're investing in. It's, yeah, it's super inspiring. And, and do you have like to finish any useful content or accounts that you want to share?
2: So there's a few that I, I really follow mostly on Instagram. So there's uh, one that's teach.kids.money. And again, she's a lady in Canada who's teaching children and parents about investing for their kids in a very, very simple fashion. And one for parents, if you're not already following, is the, the finance club. They do some great illustrations and they really break down a lot of money topics into very short, snappy posts. Um, so, I, I highly recommend that people follow those accounts. I follow them and, and learn, and they inspire some of my blogs and stories and my future book, which I'm going to release hopefully next year, which uh, will be a follow on Grandma's Money Tales, most probably.
1: Amazing! <laughs> so definitely keep us posted on that. But yeah, good luck in the meantime because I know writing a book is uh, a bit long and and takes a lot of effort. So, so thank you so much, Will, for this discussion. I really really loved it. It's um super interesting to be aware of what kids think and do and ask money wise. I guess the tendency is to close the subject as most parents are not comfortable. So it's really good to get some guidance on how to react and understand that it's super important for them that we open up. For me, I still have a few more years, but I'm super pleased to know how to enter the subject. So thanks so much for sharing and speak to you soon. And and all the best.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: (laughs) My pleasure. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. So at the end of this episode, I hope you're as enthusiastic as I am. You can find the notes and the key takeaways on my website at maricafino.com. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and spread the word. Thank you!